this is Michael Sweet from Striper, and you are listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. God bless you. If we look at the stars and use them to declare the glory of God, to point people towards Christ, we're fulfilling the purpose for which God intended the stars. Thank you, the one and only Michael Sweet, for the introduction. Michael's been on the show a couple times. The last time was back on episode 104 at onfaithedge.com slash 104. I thought it was appropriate to uh, have Michael introduce the show today as uh, my guest today talks a little bit about his time with Michael Sweet. You can hear Michael again at onfaithedge.com slash 104. Well, hello. Welcome to the 124th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Today, I'm joined by author and speaker Joe Amaral to dig into his book, Story in the Stars. Now, I'll be very honest with you. I came into this conversation very skeptical uh, of Joe and this subject. Uh, but as we go further into the conversation, I think uh, you will uh, you'll see that uh, my mind changed a little bit. Joe makes the case that the constellations are placed strategically and conspicuously to reveal Jesus Christ. He is the founder of the Christian Research Group. This organization helps believers better understand and defend their faith. He's an in-demand speaker and travels often to Israel, working closely with Israeli archaeologists and in the government. He has gained both access and insight into the first century culture of Jesus. And something near to my heart, Joe is the traveling pastor for the popular heavy metal band, Striper. Joe and I talk about the difference between astronomy and astrology, how the constellations point to the story of Christ, and the conspicuous position of the stars in relation to the earth. Your studies show, Joe, that the Bible is very clear that when it states that God created, named, and positioned all of the stars of the universe in their place in a very specific way, a way that tells us the greatest story ever to be told. How do you stand by those studies? To make that kind of a statement, you better make sure you can back it up with the Bible. That's why I spent five years writing and researching for Story in the Stars, because I wanted to make sure not only was it Christ-honoring, but that it was, it was Bible-centered and that it would stand the test of time. And two verses just off the top of my head that come to me, in Psalm chapter 8 and 3, it says that when we consider the work of your hands, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which, what, which you have set in place. So no matter what you believe about the creation of the universe, the stars aren't placed or scattered randomly throughout, throughout the heavens. God says, I'm the one who set them in place. Then also in Psalms, in 147.4, he says, not only did I, did I make them, but he goes, I actually named them which is like awesome to think because there's hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy. God says, I made them all, I named them, and I'm the one who positioned them in the sky. And that was kind of the Genesis verse for me that showed me that God's the one who created the stars because constellations in the zodiac are simply signs made up of stars. So if we can root out who the creator of the stars is, then we can move to the next step and say, well, if he made the stars, then he's the one who made the images in the sky. As I was reading through the scriptures, really trying to get a, you know, a handle on this to really make sure, God, is this you? Are you the one who put these images there? And if so, why? And what are you saying? 
I was taken to Job, to the conversation that, that he had with God when Job had lost everything and he was kind of questioning God's authority and he was saying, listen, I, I know you're God, but are you really like the God? Like, can I really trust you? And God says, you know, where were you when I lay the foundations of the earth? And he goes through all these, you know, can you statements. And then in, in 38, verses 31 and 32, he says, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Now, that's interesting because the Pleiades is a cluster of stars yeah. in the constellation of Taurus. And this was written about 6,000 years ago. So already 6,000 years ago, the author knew the Pleiades cluster that it was in the constellation of Taurus. So that really got my attention. But then God gives us an even more famous one. And he says, can you loosen Orion's belt? And I'm like, oh, come on. We all know Orion's belt, right? The three stars on that angle in the night sky. And again, 6,000 years ago, they know about the constellation of Orion. But then in verse 32, this is where it really came home for me, Joe, is when God said, can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons? And the word for constellations in the Hebrew is Maseroth. And it's the only time it's ever used in the Bible. And it literally means the 12 signs of the Zodiac. God says, Job, not only did I create them, but I'm the one who causes them to rotate, to move in their seasons. And they're there to serve as signs in the sky. And so when these things began to emerge, I'm like, wow, God, this isn't something that the enemy has put in place. He's used it and twisted it, and he's deceptive, but he's not the creator and sustainer of the universe you are. So why are they there, and what are you saying? In your book, Story in the Stars, you make it very clear the constellations point to the straight to the story of Jesus Christ. Give us some examples of that. Sure. Um, the, the, the way I came to that was, you know, th there was a lot of resistance in the beginning when I first began to tell friends and colleagues of mine and they went, whoa, Joe, what are you talking about? Like, where are you going with this? I said, hang on a second. Let me let me base it for you. In Psalm 19, it says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and the problem is most people stop at the first part of that verse. You know, the heavens declare the glory. Wow. You know, a, a beautiful sunset or a sunrise or, or a clear starry night. But if you continue on all the way down to verse four, there's a lot of words there that are very interesting. So the heavens declare the glory of God, but the heavens also proclaim, they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge, but they don't use any words, the psalmist says. And I went, hey, got a second. How does the sky proclaim without saying a single word? And why are they declaring the glory of God? What is the glory of God? And as I scoured the scriptures, I came to the conclusion that the glory of God isn't a thing. It's not a what, it's a person. Because in Hebrews 1, 3, it says that the Son, S-O-N, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. So mm -hmm. Jesus is the glory of God. Therefore, the heavens declaring Jesus. I said, how do the heavens declare Jesus? Where is he? And then verses that I had read so many times, and maybe you have, and some of the listeners have read before, but they never really connected them to, to the heavens, Jesus makes a startling statement to me in, in Luke 21, 25. He says, there will be signs made up of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, what, hang on a second. That's exactly what God said in Genesis 1, 14, that he created the sun, the moon, and the stars to serve as signs to mark sacred days. And now Jesus says, yeah, look to the heavens. You'll see the signs of the Son of Man. So you asked for an example of how a constellation, you know, connects to Jesus. Uh, one of the ones that really struck me was uh, a constellation called uh, called Aquarius. Uh, we know that that's a sign of a man pouring out a, a jar of water. And I went, okay, 
that's what the sign is. But what, what does that mean, and, and, and how does that point, you know, to Jesus? In John chapter 7, um, it tells the story there of how Jesus went to the temple. And the Bible says that on the last and great day of the feast, that he declared in a loud voice, he said, I am the living water, right? Drink of me and you'll never thirst again. He's talking about giving us, pouring out living water. And I said, well, how can we know when he made that statement? Well, he says on the last and great day of the feast, there's only one feast that has the last and great day, and that's the Feast of Tabernacles from Leviticus 23. And we know that that feast takes place at the end of September, beginning of October. I said, I wonder what the dominant sign in the sky was during the time of September, October. And so I get out my, my, um, my astronomy software, and I nearly fell off my chair because they're over Jerusalem. Every end of September into the mid-October is the sign of Aquarius in the sky where the man is pouring out living water. And I was like, wow, wow, the heavens declare the glory of God. When I first heard about your book, uh, Story in the Stars, uh, I think some of the concerns that I had just in the understanding the concept of it were probably very similar to the concerns those closest around you had. Right. Doesn't this way of thinking and doesn't this way of, of looking at the stars smack of astrology and are, mm. are we are we going down a dangerous path? You know, that that's a great, great question. And a friend of mine who's the pastor of a very well-known church called me up and said, uh, can we have a coffee? I saw your post about your new book. And so we had a conversation over coffee and I'll just kind of walk you through what I said to him. I said, listen, astrology and astronomy are very, very different things. Astrology is the belief that uh, the day you were born, where certain planets and stars were positioned, somehow will affect your daily life. They'll affect your personality and they'll give you an identity. And that's actually in direct opposition to what, to what the Bible says, because in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 2, God says, listen, anybody who consults or worships the sun, moon, and stars, he said, you won't be gathered up and you won't be buried. You'll be like dung on the ground. That's what God thinks of astrology. It's dung to him. So if we're looking at the stars to find identity in ourselves and purpose in who we are, then we're, we're being disobedient and we're, we're actually acting out in rebellion. But if we do what the Bible says, if we look at the stars and use them to declare the glory of God, to point people towards Christ, we're fulfilling the purpose for which God intended the stars. So we're not looking at them for them to speak to us. My identity isn't in the fact that I'm an Aries or I'm a Libra or I'm a whatever. My identity is in Christ. I am a child of God, a son of God, forgiven, and, and you know, that, that's where my identity is. So I want to make it very clear that astrology is pointing, is the stars pointing down towards us. Astronomy is using creation to worship God, to lift up the name of Jesus. And that's what I do in the book. And that's what I do everywhere I go and I preach. So practically, how does, how does somebody that's, you know, laying on the hill on a clear night, looking up the mm. stars, how do they use these, the position of the stars? And, and quite frankly, the, the, the constellations are, are suspiciously conspicuous. Uh, they are there. And, and for, yeah. for thousands of years, uh, people have looked to the stars and, and, and have seen these images and seen these shapes. And so, mm -hmm. uh, they are there. We, we know they are there, but how is the person who's laying on their back, looking at the stars on a clear, mm -hmm. on a clear night, 
How do they use sure. the constellations to understand the, jo- the the story of Jesus Christ and how that how they really how it really does point to the story of Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's that, that's great, man. You, you said a few things there that are very key to understanding how people see the story. You said that these images have been there already for thousands of years, and people already know them. And for me, one of the things I say is that the signs of the zodiac or the constellations actually serve as a strong case, as evidence for intelligent design. Because when you think about it, out of all the trillions of stars that we look up at in the night sky or the the hundreds of billions, there's no way we can see the patterns. There's no way we can see those images unless we know they're already there. So think about this. Thousands of years ago, the Egyptians looked up at the sky and they saw 48 constellations. And so they drew them and they kept them as star charts. And then you pop over to the Persians a thousand years old later who've never heard of the Egyptians and they look at the sky and guess what they come up with? 48 constellations, the same images, and they even use the same stars to make up the images. And then you go ahead a thousand years to the Chinese, they look up at the sky and guess what? They find 48 constellations mm-hmm. and they use the same stars to make the maps. How is that possible? How can that possibly be random? The chances of that happening pun intended, are astronomical. It reeks of intelligent design. Someone seems to have given us these 48 images. And images are, to me, the strongest form of communication. Because when you go back in time or you find, um, you go in archaeology and you find a cave from thousands of years ago, very seldom do you find writing, do you find notes. But more times than not, what do you find? You find images. And like a comic strip, with three or four images, you can tell a whole story. And so God puts these pictures in the sky and they rotate. They seem to rotate because we're moving on an annual basis, year after year, millennia after millennia, eon after eon, this story in the stars begin to emerge. And so when people understand what the images are and they realize that they're not there to speak to us about us, but that they're there to speak to us about Christ, all of a sudden the whole focus is shifted. Here's what I find interesting about this concept to build on that. To point to how special God sees us, let's say we, you know, let's say we're, you and I are of one accord on this on this idea, and I'm and I'm starting to lean in your direction. Let's just put it that way. To point to the idea how God feels about man, man mm. on planet Earth. Yes. If these images are really there, or and and mean something, and they really truly do point to the story of Jesus Christ, and mm. they point and they they point to the Messiah. These images are not are not placed there in a linear fashion. It, they're not stagnant. They're not, they can only be viewed mm-hmm. in those, in that shape. And in that way from planet earth, you, you, That's right. you, you look at that, you look at those images from anywhere else in the heavens and they're not those images. Those images only mm-hmm. take those shapes from the perspective of planet earth. That's right. And isn't that amazing? And the statement I use when I preach this in churches on conferences, I say, guys, why does God do all this? Because God loves you on purpose. And he wanted to make sure sure that no matter where or when you lived in history, in time and space, you could look up and see the same story a little boy saw 5,000 years ago. That's how special we are, that he would create the universe and ordain it to operate in such a way that month after month, a new sign pops out into the sky and it aligns with another chapter from the life of Christ. No one else in history do we have this. There's no one who comes close to fulfilling the 12 constellations, only Christ. And for me, 
that makes this little insignificant Canadian kid feel really special, that he would create the universe in a way that I could look up and see the story that he has placed in the stars. Who did you write this book for? I wrote the book for, for two audiences. Uh, my, my primary audience is for those who, who do not yet know the love of God. It's for the person who's questioning God's existence. I don't shy away from conversations with people who don't believe in God. I love having you know, talks with them. I'm not going to argue, but I'll have a conversation. And when I set out to write this book, I said, God, there are so many people who are using these constellations for purposes other than what you intended them for. So, Lord, I want people to really understand how much you love them. And I wanted these these 48 signs that have been consistent since the dawn of humanity to serve as a sign to those who do not yet believe that these can't be random. There's got to be someone behind them. And let's have the conversation about who that designer might be. And then once we figure out or talk about who that designer is, let's talk about why. Why put the signs in the sky? Why not speak to us another way? So the main audience is for somebody who doesn't yet believe but is interested, looks up at the night sky and goes, man, why are those there? Who put them there? What purpose do they serve? And then the second audience is for those who either are believers or for people in general who are stuck in astrology, who are who are looking at themselves through through the identity of the signs and wanting to help them to break free of that lie and, and to realize their identity is in Christ and not in these signs. So I would say those are the two major groups that I have written this book for. And the book is Story in the Stars by Joe Emerald. Joe, I think this book can really make an impact to a very specific niche audience. Yes. And it just blows me away how God has given us so many ways to see him. Can it be any more simpler or even innocent than seeing the story of Jesus Christ laying on your back on a clear night mm. looking into the stars? Does it get any more simpler or innocent than that? You know, it doesn't. And, and that's the power of the gospel, right? It's simple, but yet so profound at the same time. You know, when you mentioned that this is going to reach a very niche audience, I just got back from Malaysia. I was doing a tour to promote the book there. And we had, um, you know, several hundred people show up one night for this, you know, evangelistic service. And I did my story in the stars through my translator, and it was a really good service. It went well. And, you know, I gave people a chance to respond at the end. And about 10 people said, wow, we'd love to come, you know, to faith in Jesus because of what we've heard tonight. And I said, wow, that's great. 10 people is amazing. And so I went out with the staff after the service for dinner, and they kept going on about these 10 people. I said, listen, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but, you know, it was 10 out of 400. That's great. But it wasn't like, you know, 300 people came forward. Like, why such excitement? And they said, you got to understand, this is an Asian country. It's also a Muslim country. And both of those groups are heavily into astrology. And we had 390 regulars tonight. We had 10 visitors all of the 10 visitors gave their lives to Christ tonight. And they asked one of the girls, why did you say yes to Jesus tonight? They said, because in my faith, I never heard that God loved me. I had no idea that the God of creation loved me so much that he designed the universe to tell me about his son, Jesus. And I'm telling you, man, when I heard that, it made all the hours of travel and jet lag and getting sick and all that worth it, because this is a message that I think everybody on earth literally needs to hear. Again, the book is Story in the Stars by author Joe Emerald. Joe, can we talk a little bit about your personal faith? 
Yeah, I'd love to. How did how did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? You know, I wish I had sometimes a, a normal testimony. <laughs> you know, somebody invited me to church and I said yes to an altar call or something. But that's not how it happened. Um, I grew up in a, in a religious background, but had no relationship with with Jesus. I knew about God and I knew about faith, but that was it. We went to church at Christmas and Easter time, and it really played no no role in my life. And so my mom became a Christian when I was 17 years old, and she really got fired up and wanted me to go to church, and I didn't want to do it. You know, I was living a very, very ungodly lifestyle. She's a Portuguese mom, and when Portuguese moms ask you to do something, you do it. So <laughs> for her, so for her, I went to youth group, and I got to be honest, I didn't enjoy it the first few times. These kids were all nice and nobody smoked and nobody swore and nobody drank. And I'm like, man, this isn't my bag. You know, like these aren't my people. And uh, there was a few kids in the youth group who looked like rockers. But I said, well, how can you be in church and have long hair and tight jeans and all that kind of stuff? And they told me about a band, a Christian band, if you can believe it or not, called Striper. I don't know if you ever heard of the band. Sure. Michael Sweet's been on the show uh, a few times, actually. Oh, no way. Well, yeah. there's a connection to Striper a little bit later. So uh, they, they told me about this Christian band named Striper. And then I went home and I was watching uh, MTV. And that night they were having something calling, uh, I think it was the, the power or the hour of power or something. And it was all these heavy, heavy bands. And the DJ said, hey, today we've got a special treat. We have a Christian rock band. And I said, what? And then Striper came on the song called Soldiers Under Command, and they had long hair, and there were smoke machines, and they had spandex and dangling cross earrings. And I went, okay, this is more like it, but there's no way these guys can be legit. And I went and I bought the record, and that's how old we are, right? You know, we, we bought records. We sure. didn't download it off of iTunes. Sure. <laughs> and I, I opened up the album, and remember in the old days, they used to have all the lyrics printed on those sleeves, right? Yep. And I'm reading through the lyrics going, oh, my goodness, this is what the guys are saying in the church I attend, that I need to you know, not do drugs and I need to not do these things. I need to give my life to God and, and surrender to Jesus. And by my bedside, uh, bedside as a 17-year-old kid, I gave my heart to Christ. And I've been living as a believer ever since I was 17 years old, and I've never turned back. And when you mention Michael Sweet, I'm smiling because right now I actually serve a Stripers touring pastor. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. No kidding. So, you know, the guys can't get to church when they're on the road a lot of times. So they bring me in and I bring church to them. So we have prayer meetings on the bus. We have Bible studies and we have, you know, conversations about life. And it's just a thrill for me to be able to give back to these guys who really set me on a journey of faith. Michael and I, uh, a few months back, just talked about their their newest release uh, the newest striper release goddamn evil yes the guy just knows how to how to poke the bear a little bit doesn't he and, <laughs> and he is a servant of jesus christ and he uh, he is delivering an, an important message to this day man and they've been going for 40 years i think almost, almost, uh, 40, almost 40 years, years they started yeah. in 83 84 and even you know, as we speak they're still on tour they're still promoting the album and what I love is that they're in clubs night after night. You know, I asked Michael, I said, why don't you do the Christian festivals? There's money in that. Like, there's so many Christians who go to these things. And he said, you know, those things are great and Christians need those. But we're not called, you know, we're not called to the to the saved. We're called to those who don't yet know. And so they want to go to every bar, every club in America and, and, and reach people who would never go to church. 
And, you know, not just as their pastor, but as their friend, when I'm sitting there in the crowd, listening to these kids singing out, calling on you and to hell the devil. And some of them might not even know what they're singing, but the message is going in. And I love that I'm a part of that. And I love that God used them to set me on this journey. And so it's a beautiful kind of like a full circle moment. Listen, I, I am a, I am a metalhead from way back. That's awesome. <laughs> As a non-believing teenager, I wore out soldiers under command. It was right there with Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Ronnie yeah, James yeah, Dio yeah. and yeah. Def Leppard and all those guys. But right there in that in that felt lined cassette case was uh, <laughs> was <awesome>. soldiers <laughs> soldiers under command. Man, it was just uh, what a great uh, what great work they've done. So that's cool. You know. You know, it was the song on that album, The Rock That Makes Me Roll, that made me say yes to Jesus. Oh, man. Because they said, you don't need drugs to have a good time. Uh, you can have God's power in your soul. Let him be the rock that makes you roll. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. I want God to be the rock that makes me roll. And I've been rolling for him ever since. <laughs> that's cool. You've been in the com Christian community a long time, Joe. I mean, over 40 trips to Israel. You're the host of 100 Huntley Street. You uh, you were a part of the community church in Masaga uh, as the teaching pastor. You most recently founded the Christian Research Group uh, this year, in fact. That's right. Um, uh, as a believer, as a longtime believer, somebody that's entrenched in the Christian community, have you ever had a time where you questioned your faith or maybe even the existence of God? Of course, man. I think anybody who says no to that question isn't being isn't being honest. Recently, we just celebrated, or not celebrated, but we honored the, the 10th anniversary of my dad's passing. Uh, he died of a, of a malicious um, brain tumor. He suffered. It was a long journey. And I got to tell you, you know, as a believer and who was, you know, I was traveling to Israel. I was blessing God's people, doing everything he said to do. I was tithing. I was going to church. You know, I was trying to live a good life. And, you know, I, I, I did everything right. But yet yeah, my dad still died. And I remember... Uh, being very, very angry with God. In fact, I took six months uh, away from ministry because I said, I can't go on the road and preach because they're singing about how good he is and all these things. And I don't, just, I can't say that right now. And, you know, it's going to sound funny, but it was actually, it was a striper lyric that really brought me through. There was a song called Four Leaf Clover, where he says, you know, when you believe in God, there's no death when it's over. That went, my dad's not dead. He's alive. He's alive with Christ in heaven. And, and that hope of glory, that hope, that belief, knowing that I'm going to see my dad again, that's really what pulled me through. So, yeah, of course, you know, we have times where, you know, we, we don't believe or we, we wonder and we struggle. But at the end of the day, I don't know how I would get through this life without my faith in God. It has gotten me through some some, some, you know, tough and challenging times. And in the good times, man, it's brought me so much encouragement knowing that God, you know, is using someone as simple as me. And I'm, I'm just so thankful. Finally, as we wrap up, Joe, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? I mean, of course, I'm going to say believe, man, not, not just with faith, you know, there is an element of faith because, you know, that's just the way, you know, uh, God, God is. We have to take that step of faith. But there, there is rational, there, there's measurable, you know, um, evidence for God. 
And for me, this story in the stars, the fact that all these constellations throughout history are consistent and they're always pointing to one person in history, I believe there's enough evidence for us to believe that there is an intelligent designer. And that designer, his name is God, the God of the of the Hebrew scriptures. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the God who 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 came in human form to die on a cross for our sins. I would say, look at the evidence. The evidence points to a creator, and there's only one creator that fits the description, man, and that's the God of the Bible, the God of both the Old and the New Testament. And, and I guarantee, like myself, when I was going through those dark seasons in my life before I met him, not really having purpose, not understanding what it meant to be loved, when I gave my life over to him, my life changed my life changed and everything that I'd been through and gone through and all the things that I had done, all that melted away because he made me a new person. He says, Joel, all that stuff before, man, that's gone. You're a new person in me today. And I would encourage anybody listening to this program who's considering even today making that decision to say yes to God through Christ. I would say do it. It will be the best decision you'll ever make. And I promise you, you will never regret it. I don't think we can say anything more than that. The book is Story in the Stars, Discovering God's Design and Plan for Our Universe by Joe Emerald. Joe, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Joe. God bless you, brother. Joe's website is christianresearchgroup.com, and he can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All these links, as well as the other links, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 124. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 124. You know I love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. If this show entertained you, if it encouraged you, if it informed you in any way whatsoever, will you consider using the Amazon link on the website on faithsedge.com? We'll get a modest commission for the purchase, but it doesn't cost you a penny more. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Joe Amaral, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you.